The first draft of a novel normally takes me approximately seven months from the day I write the first line to the day I write the end. But this novel took me three years because I'd little realized when I embarked on it just how much research I would need to do. There were times when I wondered if I would ever finish it. But I'm glad I did. And I hope when you read it, you'll feel the same. The original idea for the novel came to me back in 1992 when I learned that the Medicis, the awesomely powerful Florentine Renaissance banking and political dynasty, had devised an interesting and somewhat unethical method of retaining their domestic staff. They used to give new employees a mercury-based poison in a drink when they first joined the household, and thereafter secretly fed them the antidote in their food. If any member left, the poor soul will be dead within weeks from mercury poisoning. The knowledge that anyone who left the household would die soon after spread both terror and devout loyalty among the staff. When I was a schoolboy, there were all kinds of conspiracy rumours about big companies. One was that a drinks company used subliminal advertising that would make you wake in the middle of the night, desperate for their brand of drink. Another was that digestive biscuits had a chemical in them that made you always want to eat a second one. And there were rumours that a certain dog food brand had an addictive substance in it that would make a dog reject all other foods. Addictive products are certainly dream tickets for manufacturers, as the tobacco industry well knows. We all take pills and capsules of one kind or another. In the good faith, they've been tried and tested, and that their contents are carefully monitored by all kinds of regulatory bodies. But would it be possible, I wondered, for an unscrupulous modern pharmaceutical company to do something similar, but far more sophisticated? What if, buried in the medication for one particular ailment, was a trigger for something far worse? What if a pharmaceutical company could use its knowledge of genetic engineering to deliberately design new diseases, for which it would miraculously have new cures lined up ready and waiting? What if a trusted and outwardly caring and benign pharmaceutical giant was actually implanting new diseases in its customers through its household-branded products, such as headache pills or even fertility drugs? The pharmaceutical industry is an awesomely powerful, obsessively secretive, an extremely ruthless industry. It has enormous capacity for good and has indeed made us far more pain-free, comfortable and healthy than our ancestors could ever have foreseen. It is an industry that has shaped our lives and the world around us in more ways than we are immediately aware. And in these early decades of the new millennium, it will offer opportunities for medical care of which rejuvenation and longevity will be a big part beyond most people's wildest dreams. Scientists say that the first person to live to 200 years old has already been born. Back in 1992, Dr. Ken Powell, then senior virologist at the Wellcome Foundation, told me he believed within the next 15 years, every human would carry around a CD containing their entire genome. If they were unwell, anywhere in the world, they would simply plug it into a computer for an online analysis. We are now only a very few years shy of his prediction. I believe that ultimately, 
the pharmaceutical industry will have absolute control over human life and death. But is it fit for such responsibility? And what scope exists for abuse? Examples of security restrictions that I encountered during my research included a big farmer that does not allow visitors inside its front doors. All meetings with non-employees take place in a hut on the parking lot. Many pharmaceutical firms do not have waste bins at all, only shredders and incinerators. And several have rules under which an employee can be fired for leaving anything on a desktop instead of locking it away. And where it is a sackable offence to work or discuss business in any public place, and in particular on trains and aeroplanes. Some firms reputedly employ security staff to board aeroplanes randomly, checking for company employees breaking this rule. Should we be suspicious of this industry? Or should we sleep easily, secure in the belief that it is acting in our best interests? <laughs>